It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. My name's Jim Trimini, this is my show, and today, I have Mr. John Dinsdale back with me. How are you, sir? I'm not bad. I imagine they're probably going to get sick of hearing me soon. Oh, we never, we just never get sick of John, you're lovely. <laughs> <laughs> you are. I'm not being sarcastic. You are lovely. You are a really nice bloke, and you do good work when it comes to reviewing wrestling matches. Thank you, I'll slip you the fiver later. <laughs> well, as you can probably guess, as John's here, there may be some death and destruction on the way. Well, not as much as you'd think. No, this is actually a slightly reserved outing from FMW of all people. We're in 1997, the beginner's guide to professional wrestling in Japan. In 1997, Paul Heyman and his band of misfits from Philadelphia, PA, came to visit Kawasaki and Tokyo. And there was a series of cross-promotional cards featuring FMW versus ECW. And it was a kind of a crossover of the companies. Uh, and also, it's kind of a legendary tour for the stuff that went on on this tour. Not necessarily for the wrestling matches. You've heard me say the story of uh, the Sandman being massively racist to Atsushi Anita. This is where it happened. We're going to talk about that match. John, when I told you about this, what are your thoughts on it as, as the legendary status of this tour has grown down the years? Not going to lie, I was expecting a bit more than we got, but that might just be down to the nature of the video. There were some really wild moments, though. There were. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting selection of people to take over. Essentially, it took Paul Heyman, obviously, he's not missing out on holiday. The Dudleys, the biggest, baddest heels in ECW. Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman, the biggest baby faces in ECW. Terry Funk, obviously the most recognisable thing, who's just come off a big heel run in FMW and now turns face to be part of ECW. And Sabu. And it had some classic matchups, it had some dream matchups, and it had some matchups that would send a shiver down the spine of every ECW fan and go, making them go, oh no, not again. It was really bizarre, uh, this particular matchup. It's four nights, and we'll start on night one, which was uh, December the 19th, 1997, at Kamazawa Gymnasium in Tokyo, Japan, and it held 5,200, so it was a big drawing show. But let's go with the first one that's actually on the videotape, which is the Gladiator, Mike Awesome, representing FMW. But not just FMW, he's, raised, he's representing Zen. So that's the heel group that Asushi Nita has formed with the guys from Wing and some guys from the Funk Masters of Wrestling, which is broken up because the Funk Masters of Wrestling doesn't exist anymore because Terry Funk is now part of ECW. Do you want to enlighten us a bit more, John, on that? Um, basically, at this point, um, Anita had sort of had his retirement match and come back, and he was like, all oh, right, I hate FMW. <laughs> And form and seems set to destroy it. And then yeah. you've got he had the top sort of almost gaijin, I guess, in the gladiator, aka Mike Awesome, and took his band of misfits who had control of the FMW titles for quite a while, especially the tag titles. Yes, this is as we'll see later. 
been an odd period because like we last time me and you talked about FMW, it was just before this, like two months before, and then all this stuff happened. Anita came back and then he turned heel and he felt sorry for the wing guys who had lost a loser lose a leave town match, loser mate breaks up match. Anita would either retire again or Wing Canamore would break up the wing group. And he felt bad for the wing group, but because the, the FNW guys were were mean to them and no one would let them join their faction. It does sound very nursery playground, doesn't it? It does, and then you remember this is Ornita <laughs> leading this group of sort of outcasted, bullied, or ex-heel wrestlers who went back to being heelish dicks the second they had someone in control again. Who were also big baby faces in their home company. Which, it's a bit of a mess, really, isn't it? It's very confusing. It's not the easiest thing in the world to look to comprehend, really. But we'll move on. Of course, Anita picked up the name Mr. Wire at this point because he'd come out of retirement and gone back and reneged on what he said he would never do. He would never come out of retirement. That's what the old stars used to do, and he didn't want to be anything like that. And then he came out of retirement. So he picked up the nickname Mr. Wire. Um, <laughs> but this, this show featured some really good matches which aren't on this tape. Uh, <laughs> Gun, Kodo, Fuyuki, Jedo, and Gedo, who had just come in from war to add even more confusion, but defeated Tetsuhiro Kuroda, Hido, and the great Fat Fake. And then Aja Kong defeated Shark Sishigo, and Devon Diddley defeated Ricky Fuji. Ricky Fuji was interviewed by Paul Heyman backstage at this point. And then we get to the first match of the date, which is the Gladiator, Mike Awesome versus Tommy Dreamer, in a match that lines 9 minutes and 52 seconds, and Tommy Dreamer got his ass whipped again. Your thoughts, Joe? I was going to say, I think they showed about two minutes of this match, and it was all just Tommy Dreamer getting powerbombed. <laughs> like, he got thrown outside through some tables, he got powerbombed in the ring, I'm pretty sure he hit, like, a low blow or something, tried to come back, and then awesome, just, sorry, Gladiator, just powerbombed him out of his boots again and won. Yeah, it was just powerbombs and powerbombs, and more powerbombs with some powerbombs on top. This was not the most interesting of matches. Let's be honest. <laughs> No. No. Now, the order on these does flick back and forth somewhat. And the next matchup that we know of on this particular tape was a six, three-way dance. The match that put ECW on the map. Terry Funk versus The Sandman versus Bubba Ray Dudley. In a match that's 6 minutes and 32 seconds and is about 6 minutes and 34 seconds, 30 seconds too long. <laughs> this is not good. Because this was Bubba Ray in his I-don't-care phase... The Sandman was at least sober, and Terry was trying really hard. And if Terry has to try really hard, you, you're really not going about this the right way, are you? Your thoughts, John? This was just a bit messy, really. I was out there watching, I'm like, are they going to do something extreme here? It's like, we're here to show off. We've got the match that made us, and three guys that are willing to take ridiculous bumps. And then it was just like, oh no, that's it's over. Yes. Nothing happened. No, absolutely nothing happened in this match. <laughs> it, was, it was reasonably pointless. The crowd seemed to like it. They were well into Terry. I think it was because Bubba just kept shouting random sh- um, stuff at them. <laughs> I yes. stopped myself. I stopped yes. myself. It, it, it was a point where this was the classic Bubba teamed up with the Sandman to attack Terry and then the Sandman turned on Bubba. Kind of deal. It's a classic 
three-way dance stuff you expect. But, you know, ECW Arena with Sabu and Shane Douglas, it was not. <laughs> to be fair, though, the betrayal bit was hilarious because Devon shouted from the sidelines, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, Devon. <laughs> yes, this was standard, I think, is the best way to point it. A bit above average. Yeah. Because it was happening in Tokyo, it seemed all that more special for the fans. Shall we move on? Yeah. <laughs> There's only so much you can talk about a match like that. It's just dreadful. <laughs> Next was the FMW Brass Knuckles Tag Team Championship, which was then held by Mr. Ganesuke and Yukira Kanemura. Uh, they took on Hayabusa and Jinshe Sinzaki in an absolute corker. There is no two ways about it. this with proper tag wrestling. It wasn't the usual FMW Tornado-style deathmatch thing. It was actually a proper tag wrestling match. Championship match worthy of the name, with two exceptionally good teams. This would stand up on any show you put on today, but because Ayabusa and Jinshe Sinzaki are two absolutely legendary wrestlers, and to be fair, Mr. Ganesuke and Wink Hanamura are kind of legends within their own field as well. Very forced, very specialist guys who are very special at what they do, and this was well worth watching. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Well, I entirely agree with everything you just said there. It was just a lot of fun to have in this match. I think my favourite moment came on early on where um, Jinse just kicks Kanemura down and he doesn't want to get back up. And, and uh, Ganeske is just there like, wake up. Come on, wake up. <laughs> I'm a sucker for moments like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's just good. It's just solid. It's just what you kind of expect from FMW to pull out the bag every once in a while. A solid wrestling match people can enjoy, damn it. But yes, well worth it. I'm trying to remember now. As Sushi Anita versus Masato Tanaka, I definitely saw that match, didn't I? I wasn't thinking something different. No, this came next, yeah. Yes. So this again, As Sushi Anita, the big bad heel of FMW now, going up against the new number one baby phase and uh, FMW independent world heavyweight champion Masato Tanaka. This went 20 minutes and 7 seconds, and you could kind of tell, again, that they're trying to get away from the blood, the gore, and the violence all the time. They're trying to get back to storytelling, and a card like this, in this kind of arena, two or three years ago, would definitely have an exploding barbed wire match in the main event, and this didn't. Everything's just calmed down, and it allows the wrestling to breathe, and Anita versus Tanaka is exceptionally good. Tanaka's a better wrestler than Anita, and I think Anita would be the first person to admit that. But Anita goes away, when he retires, he loses a load of weight and strims down his lean. And it's like watching a different wrestler when he comes back. Much more active, much more innovative, trying different things. It doesn't always work. But he think, I think he's a better worker in this particular one than he was in his first. But I don't think he's got the drawing power that he used to have. What's your thoughts on this, John? Yeah, Tanaka sort of really made this match special. Like, I've never heard Tanaka screaming a match. Like I'd never heard it until I watched this one. No, like I don't for the bosses, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean this was sort of the first time I've probably seen Tanaka in any kind of like agony at all. And he even kept Donita from falling off when he did a ring post figure four. Yes. That was a dreadful idea. <laughs> I like how that's where the tape decides to cut to. It's like, right, they're in the ring, and then all of a sudden Anita's nearly fallen down the ring post. Yes, this is the thing. 
the thing is, the two most famous or three most famous proponents of the ring post figure four, invented by Bret Hart, adapted by Diamond Dell's page, and probably perfected by Gail Kim, all three of those have one thing in common. They have really long legs. All of them do. This is an advantage when it comes to figure four. Atsushi Anita will never be accused of having long legs, will he? No. <laughs> as, if, as if Bruiseman, when he wraps the figure four up and then lands in the floor in a heap. <laughs> but all jokes aside, I did really enjoy this match. Ironically, it's the second great Tanaka match I've seen this well. Third, if you count the other match that was on here featuring him. Because he had a great one with DDT this week. Yeah, that's it. Tanaka is just workhorse, isn't he? He just keeps going. He, just keeps he doesn't itch. No, he doesn't look that much different than he did now. In fact, he looks younger. His body's far better. He's stripped a load of weight the last decade, two decades. So, yeah, he just has good. one of those styles that's going to like stay with him. You can't really lose it. No, he's, he's just one of those guys who's got everything together, and this works. Should we go on you to can... day two? Yes. Right, so day two, we were at Osaka Seaside Sports Centre. 3,600 people. And they came to see... Wiki Fuji defeat Flying Kid Ichihara, one of my favouritely named wrestlers. Koryaki Nakayama and Mia Sato defeated Toxic Core, that's Crushing Madam Mori and Miss Mongol. Jinshei Sinzaki defeated Mr. Pogo number two by a submission, that was Mr. Pogo's protege, hence the reason why he was called Mr. Pogo number two. Kodo Fuyuki defeated the Great Fake. And then the Dudley Boys went up against Gado and Jado in another Tear Down the House classic. This was actually a dream match that I think. Now, when you consider it, the two of the most influential minds in pro wrestling booking last year, Bubba Ray Dudley at Ring of Honor, and obviously Ghetto in New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, this kind of match has a long-term standing effect on the way pro wrestling works. Uh, Bubba Ray no longer in favor at Ring of Honor, <laughs> understandably, <laughs> having booked it. And uh, the mighty Skrull uh, has taken over, thank the Lord. <laughs> However, well, will have one of my favorite Ring of Honor moments from last year, though, in that he that? just threw. Um, he was going against Haskins at Final Battle, and he literally just creeps up behind them, like both him and Vicky, and just throws a barbed wire board at them. Like literally a massive, like fence board sized thing covered in barbed wire, literally just throws it at them. <laughs> Ironically, more. More interesting than anything the video shows you from this match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is two classic teams having a classic match, but there isn't enough of it on the tape to kind of hang everything round. They're doing really well. The crowd's rocking with it. Yado and Jado were babyfaces at this particular point, um, and the Dudleys were heels, and uh, it meant for 17 minutes and 48 seconds to a no contest, a finish you don't see very often as both... Ghetto and Bubba Ray Dudley hurled the referee out of the ring with a double hip toss because he'd managed to miss a pinfall for both of them. Um, and then they decided to play it all again at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, which never happened because the Dudleys had left the WWE by then. <laughs> wow. So there you go. But they, Ghetto and Ghetto did get to the ECW Arena. Can't remember who they wrestled, though. I think it was Lance Storm and um, just incredible. Which is a very good matchup too. Yeah. Um, but this one was a bit special. This was really, really good. So the next one uh, was Zen, the Gladiator, Mr. Ganeske and Yukira, Wing Kanamura. They defeated 
Can we Terry Funk, The Sandman and Tommy Dreamer in 13 minutes and 48 seconds of a much more impressive matchup because they had wrestlers that could go and work really hard and they weren't getting in each other's road. This was a bit entertaining. What are your thoughts on this, John? This was just rather chaotic when I think back on it because, again, a lot of it was just Tommy Dreamer getting beaten up. And then you had the moment where the Sandman's Gets a hot tie and then just gets taken out. Which will always be funny. <laughs> but yeah, it was just... Oh, God. I was going to say it was really fun to watch. Again, for the reasons you stated. Just work rate, the wrestlers in it. Funk's working his ass off like always. Yeah, yeah. Just just solid. It works really, really well. Uh, and then we get to the main event of the evening, which is Hayabusa, Masato Tanaka, and Hikatsu Aya. And they defeated Atsushi Nita, Tetsuhiro Kuroda, and Hido, as in that boy Hido, in 17 minutes and 52 seconds. But to, to win the FMW Street Fight Six-Man Tag Team Championships, a championship change on this tour, and the important championship, well, I mean, the FMW Street Fight Six-Man Tag Team Championships was always important to the company. It was the belts that Mike Awesome and Horace Balder and titan made famous in the mid 90s and you know this this meant something to the company it meant something to the to the people in it um of course hayabusa masato tanaka the big baby faces his Oya kind of floated back and forth between heel and face he was kind of a weather vane depending on what they needed him to be <laughs> he tended to be a big name player in things though and this was no exception but this was a thrilling matchup what's your thoughts on this one John? i always remember Oya because he's got the most unfortunate hairline in wrestling yeah, that, it's not that, really going bald, but it's not really a full forward either. He's a great wrestler. I just, I always get, I always remember that. It's just like, oh yeah, the bad hairdo. But yeah, again, great match, great strong six man tag match. Something they seem to get right a lot of the time on this tour, big six man matches. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. That's kind of like their bread and butter so long. Um, you know, if you look at Burke and Hall shows, they were full of six-mans. They were full of developing, like, characters and building on the things that they had within the company and trying to showcase as many different people as they could because they were trying to build new talents. They didn't make much effort on building new talents after Anita, but this was a good example of how they did it well. Plus, you can just book so much, like, clan versus clan chaos. Well, that's it. That's what Japanese. That's what they came from. That faction-based Japanese wrestling tradition, in the tradition of Giant Baba, who was taught by Ricky Dozan, who came out of stables within, you know, within sumo, and that's one of the main ideas. Ricky Dozan transferred across to pro wrestling. That's where factions in Japanese wrestling come from. In war, as well, especially with, like you know, they were big on factions because Genichiro Tenryu was also a former sumo, and he had. This idea of building factions and having him to play between them. That's really where a lot of the faction work that was really well booked in the 1990s came from. Fair enough. You can also see the story they're trying to build across the tour with these sort of main events. Because Onita or Zen win almost all of them. Yes, that's it. Uh, they're trying to create dominance with that uh, faction, trying to do something different and trying to build them up as a 
threat to everybody. So they've got to retell the story they need to, but they can't make everybody else look weak either. And they need to actually get pinned a lot on this tour, more than I thought he would do, to be honest with you. Well, it's hard to sort of sell those seeds of discard. <laughs> it's like you see them, they make, they go to great lengths to show you them arguing after the title match with them, um, sorry, the match against Tanaka, and just this general uneasiness, uneasiness around then. And yeah. you don't need to just sort of possibly feeling bad for what he's doing. Yeah, I think so. This is kind of like a slow turn for Anita as he starts to turn back to being a babyface towards the end of this run. Alright, then, should we move on to the next night? Yes. We were in the Gaio Aichi Prefectorial Gymnasium, where New Japan still go, actually. 4,350. Uh, this had Hideki Hosaka versus Yoshinero Sasaki in a singles match. Toxic Core, Christian Madamori, Miss Mongol, they defeated, she defeated, well, they defeated, Mikeo Makiyami and Mia Sato, getting their win back from that before. Jinshei Shinzaki defeated Flanky Ichihara versus Submission by Submission, and Fuyuki Gun, Kodo Fuyuki, Jiro and Gedo defeated Hayabusa, Ricky Fuji, and Mr. Pogo number two. Uh, then we go on to some singles matches. Did we see Genesuke versus Yeah, Because I can't remember seeing that. I think we saw about two seconds of it. Very short, wasn't it? Because I think either Oya wins with a roll-up or Ganeske wins with a roll-up. Yeah. I just... I I know I saw both of them in the ring and then all of a sudden it was cut into the next match. Yes. We'll move on then. <laughs> Which the next match was Terry Funk, the Sandman, Tommy Dreamer and the Dudley Boys. And they defeated Hido, Tetsuhiro Kuroda, the Gladiator, the Great Fake and Atsushi Anita. And of all the matches... Though they said, you know, this was the match where they had to lay out the finish. Shall I tell the story again? Because it is a good story. This was from Bubba Ray Dudley. On the, I think, one of the shoot videos, I think it was our video. And he said that, like, they were in Tokyo. He said, there's a meeting before the match. And we're all sitting down on how we're going to lay this match out. No one dare say a thing. And he said, there's, there's the Dudleys, there's Sandman, there's Tommy. And he said, there's Paul Heyman on one side of the room with Terry Funk. And he said... The FMW guys on the other side of the room, and Atsushi Anita is sat there smoking a cigarette. He said all the way through this meeting, a young boy would come for him to ash his ash into his ashtray. Anyway, so we're negotiating this finish, and it's silence for about five minutes because no one wants to say the wrong thing. And then all of a sudden, the Sandman goes, I got it! I got it! The points to Anita and then says, You jap me, I'll Pearl Harbor you! And then we'll go to the finish. <laughs> because, you know, Sandman, there you go. Casual racism. Yeah. He's always known for being politically correct. <laughs> just, just dreadful. Just dreadful. <laughs> Absolutely dreadful. The funny thing is, if he was talking to Jun Kasai, it would make perfect sense. Possibly, I think so, maybe, but probably not. (laughs) Uh, Racism, still racism. (laughs) I don't think I'd claim the contrary. (laughs) Anyway, having said that, this particular performance, despite the negotiations being somewhat fraught, as you can imagine, was really good. An excellent uh, five-way, well, 
you know, five aside tactic match, they could have had a football match, to be honest with you. It probably ended up in as much violence as this was. Things were being swung, and they were swung very well, and it was thrilling. The crowd were really on the edge of the streets, and it showed the difference between FMW's kind of contrived, lay everything out, self Western style of wrestling, and FMW's let it flow, we've got to finish, let's get the match to the finish. It's a real difference between American-style professional wrestling and King's Road wrestling, which is the core of FMW's basic philosophy. What's your thoughts? Again, chaotic violence always keeps me interested. This was another example of just everything going everywhere and then them still managing to make it coherent as hell. <laughs> it does work, doesn't it? It does, like... It- it just- sets itself up nicely and continues playing its way through the through the whole uh, deal. And the cameras struggled to keep up with it half the time, but what you saw was really damn good. Uh, so yeah, you, what did you notice about this, John, as far as production was concerned? It, it seemed to have a hard time following like a lot of action, but what you did see was really damn fun. I would agree with that. It, there's lots of it. Uh, the, the production values for FMW always seems to be a couple. I think we were talking yesterday, me and Marcus, especially, and certainly me and Alex Watt talked a lot about Ring of Honor's production in the early days and how the fact that they really just had kind of video production crews who were just learning as they went. And the difference between like the way Ring of Honor looked back in 2006 and the way Ring of Honor looks now is just so ridiculously different. It's just so, so like, like years apart because you have professional wrestling television crews who cover every show whereas fmw always had good camera crews and they were using tv quality broadcast quality uh crews and broadcast quality equipment all the time because they had the you know the money from uh, the the video disc companies that kind of put things together and it's still watchable 23 years later isn't it Definitely. It's certainly been easier to watch than some of the things you've had me watch in the past. <laughs> really? <laughs> you surprised me. Right, should we go on to this main event then? The main event was Masato Tanaka, the then FMW Brass Knuckles and independent heavyweight champion, defending against Yukihiro Wing Kanemura in a cracking matchup between the two of them, absolutely corking back and forth championship affair. A proper wrestling match. No violence, no blood. Well, there was blood because of these two. However, actually no bleeding on purpose. This was just like proper hard way wrestling. King's Road wrestling as it's supposed to be done by two very proficient proponents of the art. What are your thoughts on this one, John? I couldn't agree more with you, to be honest. Again, Tanaka, best wrestler, well, one of the best wrestlers in the world. Just easily. He would put matches on like this all the damn time and when you've got an opponent like Kanemura, who people just love to hate, knows how to be a dick, and then still put on top-quality wrestling, it's beautiful. Always beautiful. Well worth a watch, even if you are not a big fan of FMW, because this isn't really an FMW-type match, is it? Not really. It's like it's 15 minutes. You've got now to lose watching it. Just really well put together, well-told story. That's all it is, and a proper main event for a big show, as it should have been. And then, to finish off the tour, they went to Currican Hall, because that's where you finish your tour. Because <laughs> the matter okay. the rest of the tour, it's out in the sticks. And if it's at Currican Hall, it's actually happened. It's real. It exists. 
Um, and on that night, which was the 22nd of December, it's amazing we all got back in time for Christmas, to be honest with you. Mr. Pogo defeated Yoshihiro Sasaki. Oh, sorry, Mr. Pogo 2. Not the original Mr. Pogo. I think he'd retired at this point. Miss Mongol defeated Miss Sato. Uh, Mio Sato. Tetsuhiro Kuroda and the great fake defeated Hitsukoya Oya and Ricky Fuji. Um, by the way, the great fake is Hideki Hosaka, who was, you know, All Japan Pro, Pro Wrestling Zero One kind of wrestler, but best known for his work in FMW. And then we get to the first videotape match, which was the Sabu versus Sandman ladder match. Now, this match has some history. <laughs> because the first time they did it, the Sandman was drunk, and it was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. So dreadful that Heyman was ashamed to put it on video, ever. And he had to have a hard time finding it. And he made them do it again. <laughs> At the end of the show, so that when they did the commercial release, they could have a decent match on the tape, once the Sandman had sobered up a bit. They did it a couple of months, about 18 months later, they did it in ECW. I think it was just after this. This may have been a dry run for it. And it won't much better. It was all right, but it won't great. And this kind of suffers the same thing. There's a lot of insane bumps and reckless behaviors as both of these two. I think of the three, this is probably the best one they had, which makes it a shame that it didn't happen in ECW Arena and happened in Currican Hall on a videotape American fans were unlikely to see. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, these two, when these two get together, calamity will happen and it will not be pretty. Your thoughts on this, Joe? Uh, I'm just going to come right out and say this. Sandman can't wrestle. I love him. And he's a force of personality and hardcore stupidity, but he cannot wrestle. No. So thankfully, this was the first sort of match he had on the tour that perfectly suited him, because he didn't really have to rely on wrestling, because Sabu would just throw him around like a ragdoll, and then they'd both crash into something. Yes, that's basically it. It's really fun to watch, but you've got to remember that you're basically just watching a car crash stretched out over time. It's not a wrestling match. No, which is the reason why this was so bad the first time. At least Sandman was sober for this, mainly because I don't think he could afford that much beer in Tokyo. Which is a shame. Japanese beer is delicious. He was probably inducing something else, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We will not speculate. Oh no, he's been—he's This isn't even allegedly. He's talked about it numerous times. Like the things he'd smuggled into through through Japanese customs. You should go find him, and then we won't get sued. So. <laughs> anyway, next up, Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer defeated the Dudley Boys, Steve Bubbery and Devon, and the Gladiator and Bad Boy Hedo in 13 minutes and 22 seconds in a three-way dance. In a match that Hedo and Gladiator weren't really kind of, like, with. <laughs> it kind of goes against the grain of what they do. And the Dudleys and Terry Funk and Tommy Dream were kind of doing their thing. And this was square pegs in round holes all round, I think. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it, it was a bit awkward, really, wasn't it? Yes. I once it. It sort of became just the Dudleys versus Funk and Dreamer. It sort of evened itself out a bit because obviously it was two teams that knew how to work with each other. But Gladiator and Hedo are kind of there just like, um, 
<laughs> and you could kind of tell. <laughs> this reminded me of like the uh, Wrestle One Impact Wrestling card they did in Curricum Hall. Where there was, well, they did a couple of them, and there was a couple of very, really awkward matches, like Sato Tanaka versus Bobby Roode, and neither of them knew how to work each other's style. It was just like, these two amazing wrestlers, arguably like the best of their genres ever, and I had no clue what they were doing with each other. <laughs> and it's just like, it was just awkward. It wasn't bad, it was just stilted and didn't quite work, didn't flow, and this kind of suffered from the same thing. Definitely, definitely. But hey, at least um, Dreamer didn't just get completely destroyed by the Gladiator for once. That's that's good. He got some offense in. Him and Terry managed to string some things together, and and the one. Yeah. Thor odds. I think Terry pinned um, Pedo. Yeah, Terry pinned Pedo, the smallest guy in the ring. But yeah, it was all right. That it was okay. And then we finally get to the main event of the evening, which was a War Games fast. <laughs> War Games barbed wire baseball bat ladder cage match featuring Hayabusa, Jinshe Sinzaki, Masato Tanaka against Osushi Anita, Mr. Ganesuke, and Yukihiro Kanemura. Arguably, the six best wrestlers FMW had or ever produced um, or ever had on their books against each other. And it was a cage match, and it was War Games style, and it was fun. And like, I'm not usually a big fan of the War Games format, but I think three aside makes much more sense than four or five aside. And this worked well. And I think it was just timed nicely. And also, they didn't stagger, so there was always a heel advantage. They just sent two people down. So you had two minutes. I think it was Green Kanemura and Hayabusa kicked off the opening leg, and they had two minutes. And then uh, Shinzaki and Ganesuke had two minutes, and then Tanaka and Anita joined. And I think that's actually a much more fun format. It doesn't build drama as well, but it's less contrived. I think they just didn't want to spend an hour on a match. Yeah. Especially not at the work rate they were doing. Yeah, they were putting some time in this, to be honest with you. But it worked It worked kind of well. It, worked, it was fun for what they did. Oh, definitely. I FMW cage matches nearly always get me. They're so much fun. Because they'll just go all out playing with the cage. Like, the amount of times someone got their hand, like, raked along one of the sort of connectors on the plates, or you had Jinsei handcuffed to one of the sides so he couldn't bloody beat people up, and just. It was, again, a nice dose of chaos. And that, actually, that idea came from Texas. Like, the. The Thunderdome cage matches in Texas, where they would have handcuffs on the side of the um, cage. So, if it was a tag team versus a tag team, the winner was the person that locked the other person into the cage, and then got five minutes with the person in handcuffs. Which is like obviously like real proper dramatic effect, and that works this well. That works well in this particular environment. Obviously, the baby faces are Hayabusa, Tanaka. Um, and to a lesser extent, uh, Shinzaki, because he's not an FMW guy. But the fans grew up with Hayabusa and Tanaki. They've watched them young boys. This is like your own children getting beaten to death by the big bad heels. It was it was a, such a good way of getting them over as the big faces of the company. And there was a clever little hint to you. Could, a lot of the time when it cut to Ornita, 
he didn't seem okay with what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, 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 and it said it comes into that as well. Like Koji Nakagawa comes and makes a save for Anita at the end. Uh, Nakagawa was come back. I think he'd come back off of excursion, um, and uh, he was he was the he, he was the the hitman um, imposter from FMW we've talked about before. And he was like a very big fan of Bret Hart, wore the full-on Hart-style gear uh, to the ring. And he'd been a big babyface in FFW, and he came down and made the save for, for Anita and kind of joined Zen. But it was kind of like the start of Anita and Zen falling out with one another because Nakagawa wasn't really a heel. And it starts to tell the story of Zen unwinding um, and then becoming essentially what would be the merger of the Kidoki Kodoki Gun with uh, Kodo Fioka and Ghetto and Jeddo, and that becoming the No Respect Army, which was really the storyline for FFW from that point on until the closure of the Anything you'd like to add there, John? <laughs> um, I guess that's the best thing with the sort of tapes, because this is a sort of, I think this is the second FMW tape we've done now because we did the Funk Masters of Wrestling one, and then it was this one, and you always get like the end of an era as such, whenever you watch one like this tour was only four days, but if you think about the story that was packed into said four days alongside showcasing an American company in Japan it's kind of really mind-blowing that also sets it sets things in motion for uh, really for the start of the uh, the next big kind of story to be told in FW. But it also starts to ease that sushi meter out the door of the company. Within a year he's gone to New Japan Pro Wrestling. They just always seem really good at like preparing themselves and covering their own asses with storytelling. <laughs> They've always got some kind of plan in place. It's like, right, Onita doesn't want to be here. We'll bring in Nakagawa. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to like being in Zen. Right, we'll break Zen up. It's. They always seem to be prepared, which is something you don't see with a lot of well, with certain companies. No, I think that's the thing. Is that there's always something boiling on the back burner, and there's always two or three options. I mean, Cody Fuki is a good example, he ends up being the big bad heel of FMW in the next couple of years. But he really wasn't much of anything when he joined FMW. He'd come from war where he'd been a solid mid-card attraction um, within the six-man division. And before that he was in all Japan where he was a popular mid-carder, but he was never going to be triple crown champion and Baba knew that, so he wasn't that displeased when he left. They cleared out some deadwood and top card for Baba. But he ends up being this massively important character to FMW. And this is sort of... This was also quite a weird watch, because considering it's FMW and ECW, you think when you hear that it's going to be this continuous car crash of like violent, probably really sloppy deathmatch wrestling, and it's... It's not actually the amount of just solid wrestling on here. Well, is that's it. yeah, I think I think as well. It's not like 
they couldn't do the big death matches stuff that they wanted to then i don't think they didn't have the budget because they weren't getting the crowds and it requires a certain amount of preparation to do those kind of things once i think they've got gored out there is always in the back of the mind promoter i mean Stu hart was probably the best example in the late 60s stampede wasn't drawing so he upped the violence he brought in abdul the butcher and that all these big names that were pumping the blood up and it shot hot shotted big shows but there was a massive slump uh, when you are violent when you have a blow off they will instantly once you've told that story things will fade away and because fmw was so hot for so long things were starting to fade away and they had to come up with a plan b and their plan b was less violence more story which is not a bad plan Considering you've got, you've got a locker room full of locker room full of wrecked wrestlers, Hogo doesn't want to work for you anymore because his body's just taken too much. You know your biggest heel in your history can't work anymore. <laughs> Anita's already had two years off. He's probably going somewhere else. You're wearing through guys at an alarming rate of knots, and they're all exceptionally talented. Your two biggest female draws are no longer there either. So yeah, it's a very different company than when we started with FMW with Chelsea back in 1989 and 1990s. But it, it, it's not bad. It just feels like an evolution. It's actually much better. It's better presented with better wrestling up and down the card and more consistent performers. However, it doesn't draw as much money, which is the paradox of the situation. When it was dreadful, drew money hands over first. When it was good, didn't draw money at all. <laughs> it's because there was always a want for trash. what people dubbed trash wrestling. Yeah, but I mean, BJW does it, but they haven't had as big a star as me to. Have they? Uh... See, this is the thing. I don't think Anita needed the violence to make FMW work. I think it was a unique concept, but I don't think he needed the barbed wire and the explosions. I think Anita was a big enough draw by himself to have done it without the violence. I don't know if history will tell me on that. It's the way it works. But I think the gimmick helped him stand out. But we're not at the end of the FMW story yet, so we surely shouldn't make conclusions like that till we get to here. But I just think Ornita was into that. Yeah, I think he still is, otherwise he wouldn't still be having death matches now after retiring for the fourth time and being about six. <laughs> just reminds me I've got to hunt down a match because he took on Chris Brooks in the next vlog. this last time we talked about FMW. <laughs> did I seriously? Yes, you said you were going to go look it up that afternoon. You clearly didn't. I think it was happening that afternoon. Ah, maybe last so. time. It's been a while since we talked about FMW. Yeah. Doesn't feel like it. FMW is just the, the gift that keeps on giving. If you're, especially me. And some dodgy haircuts. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright then, well, we'll call that it on FMW ECW Spectacular. Super Extreme Wrestling Spectacular. No, that's it. Super Extreme Wrestling War, as it was called. Um, it Which it really wasn't. Wasn't super, wasn't extreme. <laughs> not but hey, at least war. it wasn't promising aliens and a death match. This is true. It was not an alien death match. It, it's much like the Roll Holy Roman Empire, which wasn't holy, wasn't Roman, and wasn't an empire. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Troopany Show today. My name's James Troopany. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find Mr. John Dinsdale. Whereabouts in your socials can we find you, sir? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John Deathman, the single edgiest Twitter name on the planet. There you'll find links to my writing of all sorts of random shows at this point. Since the world's kind of my oyster, I've taken up DDT. You'll find Deathmatch writing, MLW writing, even some WWE things, if that's your thing. Which, to be honest, at this point, it's not very many people's thing. Oh, two people did die last night. Though. Yeah, that that was a hell of a show. <laughs> it occurred. I'm just, I'm just kind of glad they've realised nobody's really watching, so they thought, you know what, we're just going to be stupid as hell. And it's working. We're not pleasing anybody. Let's just make shows. Let's, I don't know. Essential business. (laughs) (laughs) Really, really not. Really not. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Troopany Show. Please go read our sponsors. That's Wrestling Empire Magazine. And also, of course, PowerSlam.tv. You get a free month if you use the code MULLETWATCH. Go listen to their trailer after this snappy piece of music. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.